welcome to Base Camp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is a show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, Base Campers. Hope you're all doing well. One of my goals when I started Base Camp was to invite the men who listen into a more mythic way of viewing themselves and their lives. Having been an initiate of the Mankind Project's new warrior training, I saw firsthand for myself and the men who I have been close with just how powerful and long-lasting the impact of this initiation was. One of the core benefits, I believe, is that the weekend awakens something in the soul of men, something that stirs in our depths but is dormant until just the right initiatory pulse awakens it. It's a combination of a deep sense that you belong in the tribe of men, along with a clear sense of purpose that is often missing in so many men I see. Before being properly initiated, men can chase money and status and women as a way of measuring and validating themselves. And I think deep down, most men know that this road is futile, but there are no other clear paths that are marked. There is just a faint trail, and maybe the only man you've seen take it is different from you in some regards. Maybe a bit more courageous? Maybe. But I think it's the men that take this path are more ready, more tired of the posturing, more tired of living without a clear purpose, more tired of their own bullshit and living from their shadow. My guest today is the product of this faint trail, and you can hear it in his speech and in his vibration. There is always an invitation to join us on a warrior weekend. doesn't matter your age, race, socioeconomic background your sexual preference, the weekend was built for you. Yes, you. And there's a long-cherished saying in the men's community when it comes to this initiation. Men are waiting. Waiting for you to take the faint trail, waiting for you to embrace the mysterious and the mythic, and waiting for you to trust the tribe of men to have your back. Enjoy the interview. My guest today is Vincenzo Fallone. Vincenzo is a father, a longtime body worker, and cranial sacral practitioner, in addition to being a certified co-leader with the Mankind Project. Vincenzo is also the co-founder of the Center for Relaxation and Healing in Chatham, New Jersey. Here is my interview with Vincenzo Fallone. All right, I am here with Vincenzo Fallone. Mentor, elder, MKP, co-leader, Vincenzo Falone. Vincenzo, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It is great to have you on the show. Yeah, great to be here, Tony. Thank you. I pronounced your names right, right? You got it, man. All right. I love it. I love both it. Yeah, both of them. Exactly. Um, well, I guess to start off, you know, we, we haven't done a men's... I'd love to do episodes. The show was really started <clears throat> with the idea of... A, of sharing men's work, the the work that MKP was doing. So my my listeners, particularly of those early episodes, are, are quite familiar with uh shadow work, men's work. I've had, you know, many leaders and co-leaders on over over the five, now six seasons that we've done this show. Um and you yourself are a co-leader um with MKP. And I guess the first question I have is just how did you first get into what is what is called men's work how did you find your way into the mkp training uh kind of what what brought you to it and then you know what who were you when you came out of it what did you learn how was the transformation for you after you did the after you did the warrior training yeah great great question Uh, thanks for asking it um I, i was involved with um deeply involved with a spiritual community called the emissaries of divine light which was a kind of worldwide spiritual group um, based out of Loveland, Colorado. And uh, 
you know, I got there through a friend of mine. Um, originally, I came into this work uh, in 1983 as a body worker. Mm. And I met a chiropractor who was connected to this spiritual group. And, uh, you know, he saw something in me that was uh, hungry. And I had spent time at Kripalu, which is a uh, yoga ashram up in Lenox. And that's where I got my training. And mm. and so, uh, you know, there was something in me always kind of hungry. Uh, real quick, you know, I, I grew up in an industrial town in New Jersey called Patterson. Um, known for their textile mills, a real Italian blue collar family, and uh, never felt like it was my fit, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. I, I do. Felt like there's got to be something more than just getting a job and getting security and good uh, benefits, which was the goal for my culture, right? Yep. And uh, so I, I, I got that job and I, it was empty. And I believe even at the early age of 25, 26, it was killing me. I could feel my body at a young age just withering and um, got to Kripalu some way. I had to quit the job and wound up in this uh, place doing body work. And I met somebody to bring me into the emissaries. And the emissaries, real quick, was all ascension work, a lot of spiritual. And it was beautiful work. And it was work I was longing for. But it was all kind of from the heart up, let's say. Mm -hmm. And uh and I was in that, and I met my wife through that community, and um, it was all about blessing and prayer and ascension. And, and there was something missing. And I had a daughter who was two at the time, and my wife was pregnant with my soon-to-be son. And uh, a friend within that emissary community, a few of those men started doing the new warrior training. And, and I didn't think I needed anything. I had an arrogance of spirituality in this group, but... These men I really respected were taking this training. And this one man, Steve Frankel, who's a dear friend and mentor of mine, he said, this might be good for you. So that's how I got there. And uh, as far as my experience, uh, it blew my mind, you know, being in the healing arts, right? And in the spiritual community, I was all about what we call the lover quadrant and the magician quadrant. Yep. Right? Trying healing and uh I went into this training and uh, they weren't polite and I didn't, I didn't feel this loving spiritual energy. And it was a shock. Yep. It was a shock, especially back in 1995 when I went through, it was actually the first New York training that I went through. And so uh, it was at this, this beat up old camp in Dingman's Ferry, Pennsylvania, but uh, it just, shook my world and I didn't know how to navigate. What I did know is the tools I had going in to this training were not going to get me through it. Right. So so I better surrender to something. And and I did. I surrendered to the unknown, to mystery. And uh I just kept being more vulnerable and vulnerable. And uh you know the weekend is called the new warrior training adventure. Just you know a lot of your listeners probably know who've who've touched into it. And it's about awakening that archetype, the warrior archetype. And that was never awakened in me. You know, I, I was under the belief that that was a dangerous archetype. And I don't, I mean, if I want to be spiritual, I would have to keep that locked up. Yeah. And it's the first time I had a chance to express the, the rage and the energy and the power of all of that in a place that was safe, that could truly hold it and not want to fix it or suppress it. And uh, I think that may have been, the greatest gift. Uh, what I did realize after I came home, and I still remember on that warm May day driving into my home and my wife pregnant sitting on the step with my 
beautiful blonde two-year-old little girl. And I just broke down because I know I, I knew that I had a chance to be the kind of man I wanted to be, you know, and be the father and husband that I never had training in, but I always longed to be. So that's beautifully yeah, that's, that's beautifully expressed. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I was just reliving my own. It's funny, uh, Vincenzo, you and I have a lot in common. I also grew up in a blue-collar, working-class town um, and didn't ever – felt like it wasn't – didn't quite fit for me. Not that I was better than the 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 men in that town. It just felt uh, stifling, um, a little bit like you had said, like the best you can do is get a job at the mill um, and you know get in the union, and, and then that should – that should take care of it, you know. Um, but also I was a body worker for many years as well. And so, uh, when I I, yeah, I was a, I was a rolfer for 20 years and, uh, and in New York city. And, and I arrived, uh, at the warrior training a little bit like you kind of heavy lover magician quadrant. And I just remember like my good friend, John Wilson, you know, he, he was the first man I met I didn't know who he was at the time, but I just remember thinking, who is this? Who does he think he is talking to me this way? You know, like, oh, my God. And I just remember, like you, going, oh, no. Uh, my, what I'm, I'm just going to have to go with it. And I have no idea. This is, we're in the first five minutes, and I'm already going, oh, man, what is this going to be? And to your point, it ended up being just gloriously, you know, new tools and new energies. I had no idea that I was even looking for them until they were shown to me. And I just got to see how really integrated men or even, you know, that men are incomplete works in progress. And we just, you know, um, it's okay. It's okay to kind of muck through. You don't, you know, I, I think one of the great things about the warrior training is one of the takeaways is you can drop you know, what, what's the saying, uh, drop your manly con game you have going on with yeah. other men, you know, like this cocky, I've got it figured out. I'm confident because I make a lot of money or I'm confident because I'm good at X. Um, and then that it, it's just such a blessing to be able to drop that facade, speak your raw truth about all kinds of things that men have wounds and insecurities about. And, um, yeah, I still, I still just, uh, am amazed at, at, at how they put that training together. But the, the, the next question I want to ask you is just kind of, how do you view sort of initiation? So we've been talking about, you know, going on the, the new warrior training, which is a very conscious, you know, I'm going to go do this. Every man I know that's done it has speaks of the power of it. And so I imagine I'm going to come out of it, um, altered, different with new tools, but you know, in what ways are other initiations, like how can men kind of orient towards the initiatory path? Cause I, when I first did it, I felt like, Oh, this was a one-time thing. But when I came out of the training, I started realizing, wait a minute, when I got sober, that was an initiation. When I became a father that, you know, life is always initiating men. I think it's kind of, are you conscious of it? Do you honor all of the different shadow and gold things that come up for you? The feelings, the the thoughts, the patterns, the habits. Um, and I think that's maybe one of the great gifts of a training like the warrior training is you start to view it mythically. You start to view it. Each thing that's a big, feels like kind of a big or even minor crossroad. 
you view it as like, wait a minute, what is this teaching me? What is this asking of me right now? It might be a slightly different version of myself that I don't feel quite ready for. Oh, wait a minute. I recognize this from the other initiations I've gone through. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, so I believe we, uh, what a conscious initiation we're talking about, I'm, I'm consciously going to ritual space, we'll call it right. Which, mm -hmm. which is what it is. The, uh, this particular new warrior initiation um and the way i and it took me a while to really bring it around because in some ways i saw it as okay i got my initiation badge now i'm part of the club and that's it now i just be yeah. a good man i do my shadow work i do my guts work i learn more about myself and and there's and that's all true and it and there's something to that but you know it is a threshold mm -hmm. and i believe with in, in particular with the new warrior, it, it awakens the warrior archetype because that archetype is essential for the other archetypes to feel safe and, and flourish. And I think that's missed oftentimes how that warrior archetype is has to be initiated first. Now, I came in there, I, I believe, with a with a really truly initiated lover, right? And a magician. And and with that, I didn't have the boundaries or the determination or the sense of, of self that I that I needed to have because I don't think they felt safe enough without the warrior and that uh, and the, the whole concept of, of the new warrior, new warrior energy. So I, I think it initiates a path. Um, and for me, uh, and, you know, other initiations too, it's a doorway and staying in the work, right? Whatever that means. And, and, and to me, it's staying in a circle or a community where I can see myself in others, and which is the beauty of sitting in our circles, you know, right, Tony, where I could I can see another man and I can get triggered. And I, if I'm in, if I stay in there long enough and I'm committed enough, I could begin to see parts of me. Yep. Now that's a gift that I can't get usually in a you know half hour, hour therapy session. I have to be determined to stay in it long enough, right? Stay in it long enough to get that gift. Yeah. And you know what what, what I believe initiation did, it, it it awakened me to um a memory. And it sounds and maybe it doesn't sound strange to you, but it's not logical. It awakened me to a lineage of initiations that have gone on many, many years ago in my in my line, right? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. back far enough, my ancestors, this was part of the culture. And so it, it, in some ways, it awakened and made, made a connection with that, that I believe is a resource in my life now. You know, those ancestors I never knew, but I knew at some point, you know, they had their rituals of initiation. It was necessary. And I think the final point with this is it awakened me to the initiations that are uninvited. You know, the ones uninvited, like, like physical uh, illness. Yeah. Or financial ruin, or a break in relationship, or death of a of a friend or a loved one. Those initiations, the uninvited initiations. What 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 this initiation did for me was to be able to put it in a context where I could fully feel it and allow it to move through me and see somehow somehow mystery's hand in all of this, which uh, I believe allowed me to have peace with things that that could have been heart-wrenching for a long time. So. Oh yeah. It's funny. It, it's interesting that you mentioned like an illness being initiation or even financial ruin. Um, 
but it's true that when you speak with people that have gone through that, they they have a lightness about them as if they survived this ordeal and they seem lighter and they almost like I, I got to let go of all these different attachments, like maybe the attachment of being safe with my money and and maybe you were building up a facade around that that wasn't really you or wasn't true or maybe you weren't living your values. And then with illness, like we all you know, we all pray and want to be healthy, but we're all going to face um, declines at some point, sometimes way earlier than maybe you're expecting and how you deal with it and what you learn. You know, we, we, we spend so much time praying that it doesn't befall us, those those really big tragedies. Um, but when you when you ever whenever you talk with people that have been through them, you, I'm always amazed at at the the depth of learning and how articulate people are about what they learn through that. It's not fun necessarily when you're in the middle of it, but, you know, um, coming out of it and being able to speak of how it initiated you into a new way of being or, or more gratitude for each day. Like there's always these kinds of really deep universal truths that come out of these kinds of initiations that we dread, frankly. Right. Yeah, you know, you may just think of it on, on our on our new warrior weekends when I'm leading. Um, there's there is the hierarchy of how many staffings have you done? And we have the I've done 200 staffings and I've done 50, you know. Yeah. And and I never allow that. I'm always about, well, just show up because that man, thinking of a man, he was a man in his 60s who just went through the, the weekend a few months earlier and he showed up. And someone was calling him a rookie. And I'm like, this man is not. And, and, and I said, man, tell this group your story. And Tony, when he told his story and the uninvited initi initiations that have tempered him mm -hmm. to show up as a man with substance, I'm like, how could you ever see this elder as a rookie? And, yeah. uh, and so there's value in that. And there's value in recognizing it. And I, th I think that, what initiation does, it allows a man to recognize these initiations that he did not want, but now he's recognized had value. So, you know, you, you, you and a few of my friends have done, have gone through an initiatory process that scares the shit out of me, frankly. And that's the vision quest. Um, for, for the listeners that don't know, uh, this is where you're depends on the group, uh, and the leader. Uh, but as I understand it, the men that I've talked to that have done it, um, you're in the woods, um, uh, usually with just like a, uh, a gallon of water or some water and you find a place to spend the night. I don't know if it's one night or more than one night. I don't quite remember, but basically you're in the woods uh, there's a preparatory, a preparation for it, but you draw a circle. Um, I don't know if that's what yours did at all, uh, but basically you're in the woods all night and it may be a multiple night thing. I can't quite remember, but it's all, and I love nature. I love hiking and stuff, but it has always been something that I, I can't say I'm attracted to it. It scares the living bejesus out of me to think of being out in the woods, just out there. Um, so, and I get, and my friends, like my bestie, Mark, who's an MKP warrior brother, he just gives me so much crap because I haven't done it. You know, he's like, Eggy, you should do the, and I'm like, I know I should, but I, I don't know if I'm going to, uh, but I wanted to ask you, 
what yeah. drew, what drew you to do it? Cause it does seem very scary to me. Um, and then what did you get out of it? Yeah. So the, uh, the vision quest, the vision quest, you said about, um, a little over a year ago, you know, e even with, 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 you know, I, I mean, I'm involved, heavily involved in the mankind project now for almost 30, uh, 29 years. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm a, I'm a full leader candidate. I've been co-leading a long time. I run groups and I, I, I've created things. And, and and I've always been drawn, like I first got connected to men's work through the mythopoetic men's movement, right? With Bly and Michael yeah. Mead and James Hillman. And I was like, man, this this is my tribe. They're speaking my language. And, and I don't know why, but I was always drawn to that kind of mythopoetic soul poetry, right? and storytelling. So about a year, a little over a year ago, I did this online program through the Animus Valley Institute called uh, the Inner Quest in, uh, Intensive. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, I'll learn things. Man, I had the most, it was over the course of five weeks. We met once and twice a week sometimes for a couple hours. And uh, there were 16 of us from four different continents. So, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. And we go out in between and do our wonders. And, and even though I'm 25 miles from Manhattan, I live right next to a 8,000 acre wildlife refuge. So I go out into the woods and do my wonders and, and create my, you know, four quadrants and, and really invite that back in. And I was, I would say, there's something here for me. Um, and after doing that work, it, it started awakening and we would do poetry and storytelling on this. And, and something came alive, you know, it, I had just turned 66 and I'm like, you know, there's, there's another piece of life here. And, and a big part of this work was, was the dissolution of identities. And I'm like, I don't know exactly what that means, but it's attractive mm -hmm. and it scares the hell out of me. And the idea of it is that it, you know, I, I would be glad to, to dissolve identities that I didn't like, right? Who wouldn't? But this is about, okay, there are identities that have served you up to this point. And I looked and I'm liking, it's like, yeah, as a body worker, right? I've, uh, that has, in almost 40 years doing that work, that I was such an identity. It gave me a level of respect and power. And I'm like, I'm ready to dissolve that. Mm. Um, even as a leader in MKP, the way I wanted to lead, I'm like, you know, the way I am now, I, I know there's another leader here. So. So that was another thing I, I said, I want to dissolve whatever I think that is. And the third, which was the hardest, right? Being married for 32 years almost. I said, you know, um, I want to dissolve the man who I think I am in, in my relationship with my wife. I mean, mm -hmm. I think there's something new here to bring home to her. Mm. But that kind of got me on this path. And uh, I did this interquest intensive and I thought, okay. And it was one scheduled for uh, March, uh, and I, this was in September that I did the, the uh, online, and I signed up. And then the stories, and 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 in this in this work, it's like shadow. We call them inner protectors. And you'd call them shadows. Shadows started to give me all the reasons why I shouldn't do it. And one was my daughter was getting married in April, and I'm like, well, you need to. What if you go out there and you get hurt and you ruin her wedding? So, so I let it go. And I've been working with a guide and I told him, you know, I'm, I'm dropping off. And I said, you know, I have a friend in Colorado. I don't think I'm going to.
do the group thing. I think I'm going to go and do it on my own. Hell, I could go in the woods alone. And, and he just smiled and pointed out my resistance. And, and from that moment, I signed up for this August vision quest. And uh, I wound up in August, past August, in the mountains of southwest Colorado with a group of about 15 others. Um, and we spent 11 days in the backcountry. Um, you know, and, and it, it starts just when I said yes, a lot like when, when men do our weekend. When I said yes to it in my life, everything started to kind of get shaky. Yep. And and all the reasons not to do it. My knees were giving out. I'm thinking I can't backpack up this mountain with 60 pounds. And and but I kept saying yes, yes. And I wound up there and uh, it, it was it was a phenomenal experience. And I say the difference, the difference is it's real descent work. I mean, all of this work with the vision quest is is going into the dark and into the underworld. Um we prepare for four days on the mountain with our group and we do rituals and night dances and wanders. And then on the fifth day, we all go off and do our, our four day, three night vision quest. And you're right. All we have is water mm-hmm. and we find, we find our spot. And uh, for me, it, you know, everybody, I had ideas, right? I had ego ideas that I would go and I would dance and scream and holler and drum and pray and, fall onto the ground and I'd be worthy at that point of getting the soul encounter I long for. Mm-hmm. And when I got up there, Tony, it was all about surrender. It wasn't about, I, that's all I had to do. And, and there was no timepiece, you know, nothing to read, obviously no watches, phones. And uh, I brought a pad and I brought, I wrote poetry in it. So I would read poetry to the mountains and to the fields. And I would, I would, make up songs and I would just, I would bless and appreciate everything that was around me. And this is the piece I, you know, I don't mind sharing. I've shared it on a, another podcast that I did because it's, it's sacred to me, but I don't want to keep it secret. Um, you know, I had my, what they call soul encounter one, one evening, I was sitting in my chair with just a sarong on and I was grimy and, and it was a hot day. And I was fixated on this mountain in the west, direct west, this peak, right? Treeless peak. And, and the sun was going down slowly over it. And I, it seemed to take days to go down. I was just, just look, I just couldn't take my eyes off. it. And in the other direction, I heard rumbling, right? The sky was so big. In one side, you had the sunset. The other side, this rumbling of thunder coming closer and closer. And I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle and I'm, I'm feeling both. And at this point, there's no time and space. And, and they're coming closer and I'm hearing this thunder getting louder and louder. And, and just as this ball of, of sun touches this peak and this big crash of thunder, there's a whisper in my ear that said, sun thunder, sun thunder. Sun thunder. Mm-hmm. And I knew that was my name. And and the idea of the vision quest is to go and discover your name with the idea that we're all born with a name within us. And part of the purpose of living is to discover that name. And and I knew at that moment and I tested it because I'm skeptical as shit. And I said, all right, man. All right. Maybe this is just a coincidence. And I, I just stood up and I said, 
it let me know, is this really my name? And a crash of thunder came that shook my body. And, and uh, I sat down and I, and I wept and I wept and I wept until night came. Um, so you say you were afraid, Tony. You better be, man. Fear is the right emotion to go into that with. <laughs> it's necessary. It's essential because, you know, fear will open the pathways to go down into the underground. Um, and so much of my work up there was was around grief and loss and just uh, creating space. So, uh, yeah, it's, a, it, it's something that I, I came back, uh, certainly changed and uh, and committed to the path of 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 keeping this all rich and alive in my life. So. Yeah, I mean, how can you not go through such a powerful ritual space like that, do all that work and not feel like you've you've shifted into something new? I mean, what a what a great story. You know, you you talked about being a genuine elder. You you speak about that. Um what, you know, what does being an elder really entail for men and when does it start to kind of when does it start to kind of come on to men's radar a little bit? Is it in, you know, when you turn 50 or is it in your 60s? I I know men that seem like they're in their elder, their elderhood in how they kind of communicate, how they carry themselves, how they bless other people and other men, young men, you know, and they're, and they're, they might not, they might only be in their late 40s or their early 50s. And I also know men that are well in their 60s and um, you can see that there's maybe resistance still to having that be a, a, an energy or a uh, uh, something that guides them. So I wanted to give you just a little chance to to describe, yeah. you know, kind of what is for for men. You mentioned uh, you're in your 60s. I'm 57. I certainly am feeling, um, you know, uh, elderhood in. Yeah, there's many situations where I feel I feel called to to carry that kind of energy, but I wanted to give you a chance to maybe describe what it is, um, mm-hmm. and how how do men know that they're sort of being asked to maybe step into a role where they're elders? Because I I have a feeling maybe it might not be quite what they think it is. Uh, uh, depends on how you describe it. Yeah, well, I want to make sure I give credit to Bill Plotkin who wrote. Uh, you know, Soulcraft and many books. And and Bill's the founder of uh, Animus Valley mm-hmm. Institute, uh, who who has providing these vision quests, which with with such um I think courage and integrity. Uh the funny thing is I did this vision quest, I just realized I didn't sign any waivers. There was no like they they have such trust in mystery, right? And hell, man, there's a lot of opportunity to die on these things. And uh, I said, man, this is somebody who truly is believing in the work. Um, So, you know, Bill has a beautiful model in one of his books, and it's his term, genuine elder. And before before knowing his work, I didn't know that term, but I knew there was a term that I didn't know, and that was it. It was not just elder by, you know, age, right? Mm -hmm. There's, you know, there's, there's elder by age, but... He speaks of a genuine elder about someone who has gone through the different stages of, of spiritual, emotional, soulful, and psychological development, right? There's the adolescent, you know, there's there's the adult, there's different stages. And uh, ultimately, you know, everything leads, if there's a, a, a point in the horizon, it's always the, the genuine elder. And, and I see the genuine elder as... Uh, of that trustworthy human that has that has been through enough and has 
has has done his and her her grief work has done the grief work to be trusted yeah you know and has done the work and has fallen and gotten up and has been there and has been betrayed and has been the betrayer and has been honest with a life that isn't perfect but but has gotten honest with, with his life or her life um so that that is the other thing. I believe I, I know uh you know I don't I don't give my trust away easily. I have a high bar for someone who I'm gonna go to and 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 know could hold what I have, you know, mm-hmm. in an elder. And I've met a few, and there are elders who don't know the word, but but I know them from how they carry themselves and how they live their lives and and it's usually how they live their lives when no one's looking. Yeah. And a genuine elder's not looking for recognition or um acknowledge, you know, acknowledgement or praise. It's someone who knows that this is this is what he or she's here to do. Yeah. And as far as the path, um I believe when we're born, we're on that path. Ultimately, if a life well lived is a life to go through these stages, eventually to come to a place in life at maybe 45 or, at, or, or maybe 75, to come to a place of, of genuine eldership. Um, and uh, as, as Bill mentions in his books, not everybody makes it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of sacrifice, a lot to give up, a lot of ego dissolution. Uh, I, I think to get to that place, there's there's the there's the dissolving of identities. I think that has to happen, and and they're not easy, you know. Especially if that's been a way that that we have connected with the world, been recognized. Um, but but there's a I, I know inside there's a there's a feeling, and I, I'm not, I'm not here to claim genuine eldership. I know it's it's in the horizon for me. I know what it is. I know what it feels like, and I know. Um, Continuing to do my work honestly and uh, and and continue to be, you know, I, see, I heard a term before. You, you've heard, you know, lean into your edge, right? Yep. And someone said, "No, live outside of your edge. That's much more risky." And I like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I got I got a question from a listener yeah. recently, um, and he's somebody that I know. Um, not real well, but I, I know him. Um, we live in the same community and he just, he's a new father. He's, he's around 40. He might be 41. Um, and he was expressing that he's like, I just wish, I don't know. It it was kind of like, I I could hear the confusion of a new father. I think he's got two very young children now. So things have changed drastically for him. He has a good job as does his wife. Um, but he's like, he's looking, you know, and he's like, I just, I wish I knew what do I need to know next for myself? Cause I don't feel like I've kind of got it mapped out very well right now. You know, I think if, if I was to paraphrase, he's, he's got the good job They're, They make enough money, you know, he's got the success and, and he's wondering, you know, how do I prepare myself for the next 20 years? What do I need to know? And my friends aren't talking this way amongst themselves. Everybody's just, these men are just kind of all doing their own thing. Nobody's expressing, uh, you know, what, what's really going on underneath, 
the the confusion and the and the loneliness of of going it alone as a man through all these different challenges. And I just wanted to give you a chance to maybe respond to the forty year old version of yourself. What would you tell the forty year old you? who is in this situation. It sounds like you had a similar kind of situation. Um, I know I did. Um, and you know, what, what would you, what would you counsel this man who's kind of at his own crossroads right now and maybe wants to be, um, wants to be a better man maybe than he can see himself being right now and doesn't know quite how yeah. to, and I don't want to say better as in self-improvement no, self necessarily. I just like, he's, he's looking at it going, do I have the tools to navigate this? I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think back of that 40-year-old man that I was. Mm -hmm. And uh, with those, with, with actually uh, at 40, I had three young children under, under four and under. So that mm -hmm. was, and uh, it's not about winning. That's one, that's one message to remember it's it's not about winning and that's a distraction yeah um, another thing that i would say is uh, to be sure and see your children separate from yourself because it's so easy to get pulled into seeing yourself in them and putting your unfulfilled dreams onto them i mean just saying that brings up a lot of grief yeah because i i did that with a couple of my children and i i grief around it and uh and i and and, and also for that 40 year old man i would say um take time to um make your own journey of knowing who you are and what you love and long for important because it'll lead you in knowing yourself in a way that will benefit everybody in your life. The three things I come up with right now, Tony, I'm sure there's a, there's certainly a book in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, there... it's, been, it's been written already, but those three things hit, hit three marks that are important to me. I, I love it. I love what you're saying. You know, I would probably just off the top of my head add that there's, there is a community of men that are doing the work that you're seeking, you know, um, uh, yeah. we're, we're so cultured to be lone wolves, you know, and you may yeah. hear, you may hear of MKP or men's work or, or vision quests or, or, or all these different things. And they, they might seem uh, somewhat attractive I think it's important for men that age to know that is a perfect age to be jumping yeah. in and doing something. You're not too late. You're not too early. If you're asking the question, God, what is, you know, I, I need some help. I just, I don't have, I, you know, my uncles and my father maybe didn't talk about the soul's journey. I don't have friends. The, you know, they just, they just talk about the Seahawks. Uh, nobody is talking about the inner life. Does anybody? And the answer is yes, there are men that talk about the inner life and we're plugged into that community. And so I think that um, guiding him into these conversations uh, at that age is perfect. And the other thing I would probably say is you're doing great. Like you, you've yeah. come this, you've come this far with the tools you've had and your, your sort of soul is asking maybe for some new tools and, yeah. and, and they're there, you know, we, we, we know how to, how to guide you over to those. So uh, that's, 
all I would say. Um, and I, you know, I, I can feel my own, I remember being that age, uh, and just feeling like, you know, do I have an, I don't know if I have enough to be a really good father. You know, I, my father was good, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be good, you know? And, and, uh, and it was, and when I got in these conversations, when I realized that it wasn't about being perfect, it wasn't about winning, like you had said, uh, it was showing up authentically with my heart and letting the people around me show that I or show showing the people around me that I care, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, and that, and like you had said, the grief is such an important part and we're not culture to, to go into the grief. We have to really be conscious about that. But, um, I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your mentoring program, any creative, uh, uh stuff that you've got going on that you want to guide our listeners towards. I will mention MKP, uh, and the work, and I will also mention Crossroads, but if you want to say something about what Crossroads is and anything else that you got going on that might help our listeners right now. Yeah, well, you know, I don't miss this out. There's a beautiful poem here, and this this is going to go out to uh, those connected to you. I, I think um, I'd like to share this. If, if it's just a few lines, but it's called The Well of Grief by David White, right? Mm -hmm. I thought of it when you mentioned something before. It's and the poem goes like this. It's uh, those who will not slip beneath the still surface on the well of grief, turning down through the black water to a place we cannot breathe, will never know the source from which we drink, the secret water, cold and clear, nor find the darkness glimmering the small round coins thrown by those who wished for something else. And I love that poem because it really talks about just what we've been saying here. For so many men, they're, they're at the top of the well throwing the coins in, the wishing well. Man, I wish it were different. I wish it were different. And the invitation is, brother, dive in. And the first 10 feet is going to be murky and scary and you can't breathe. But if you go deeper, if you go deeper, the water is clear and you will learn how to breathe on the water. And, and there's a life waiting for you down there. Mm, I love it. I think, I think that's, that's a beautiful piece to uh, kind of, kind of bring this, bring this piece to a close. So uh, absolutely. Yeah. And thanks. Thanks for asking me about uh, your crossroads is something that uh, mankind project created during the pandemic because we were shut down no more in-person weekends. And, uh, I got involved a little over three years ago, leading these with a few other men, and, uh, and I've been involved ever since. I'm program director, and uh, we do four programs a year, and, and it's a five and a week, five and a half week Zoom online program, and uh, we meet twice a week, uh, and it is it's it's intense, and it's educational, but it's it's also a incredible, incredibly soulful, and. Uh, We've, we've found that the feedback has been great. I think it's one of the highest rated online programs that MKP offers. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out as a way of, a way of connecting. And, um, and also, you know, I think you have the, the uh, NWTA, the MKP USA website. And, yep. and even, even with that, there's, there's so many great things offered, and that's a great website to look at. And, um, and you, know, you know, personally, I found over the years, you know, just without real intention, just um, kind of men drawn to me for mentoring. And I mentor men officially 
an MKP as a leader who want to be leaders. I have that capacity as a leader mentor. And in, in my uh, in my private world, I just uh, have kind of attracted men who who are looking for mentoring that is very different than psychotherapy and coaching. And uh, I found it incredibly satisfying. And uh, and so, yeah, that's that's how it's my time. And the thing I'm excited, one more thing to mention, I've been uh, working with Paul Newell, who uh, I don't know if you know him, another warrior brother who's who's local to me. And we've connected about 10 years ago when he did his weekend. And we're creating something that is really tied into my into my vision quest. I came away from there with this deep sense of longing and the word longing, and it won't leave me. And and, and we're creating a year-long program that would be all around longing. And it's it's not it's not complete, but it's it's really unfolding beautifully. Just our friendship and relationship as it as it starts to materialize. It's, I always find that when I create, it's something I would love to take, or I wish we were there. So uh, that's not uh, that's not offered, but it's something I want to put out into the world because it's something really exciting about. And I believe it can have an impact on awakening the longing, deep longing in men as they lead in their world. So uh, building the building the course you'd like to see in the world. I love it. That's that's awesome. And what's what's the name of your mentoring website? Your personal site? It's Live in Full Expression. Live in full expression. Beautiful. Well, Vincenzo, thank you so much for coming on Basecamp for a minute. It was an absolute pr- uh, pleasure to connect with you. I loved all the different things we had in common. Um, just really enjoyed speaking with you. Uh, your insight and your wisdom are most welcome on this show. So thank you for taking time. And also thank you for all of the ways that you serve the development of men and the, the development of humanity at this important time. So thanks again. Uh, we really appreciate you. Hey, so welcome, and, and same to you. Uh, I really appreciate your persistence in doing uh, soul's work here, man. I uh, really blessings to you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our time with Vincenzo. With men like him leading trainings, my sense is that the Mankind Project is in good hands and will continue to thrive in its mission to initiate men into the mature masculine with all that entails. I will continue to have initiated men as part of the core of base camp as I believe they bring something unique and inviting to the men who listen to the show. The Mankind Project continues to do their groundbreaking training for men throughout the world and you can find their new warrior training near you at www.mk kp.org. Thank you, base campers, and we'll see you around the fire next week. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Base Camp for Men.